if you don't mind, let's take a moment for the sponsors so they can keep the lights running and keep West Virginia and Commonplace going. If you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all the hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and excess exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS service needs without taking a trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else like up to 40% off of USPS rates and 76% off of UPS. Going to the post office instead of using Stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Just go going up a couple of floors, sure, take the stairs. Walking out 30 flights a, a day, you could use a break. If you spend more than a few minutes a week dealing with mail and shipping, Stamps.com is a lifesaver. You'll save so much money and time, you wonder why you didn't start soon. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code POD for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com and click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code POD. Welcome to West Virginia Uncommonplace. Today I have with me someone that has numerous titles, someone that will be a name inside your home after we're done with this broadcast. Her name is Lauren Harris. Lauren, please introduce yourself and tell everybody about yourself. Hi, my name is Lauren Harris. I'm an actress, producer, writer, and director in the Los Angeles area. I grew up in Philadelphia, uh, went to Quaker school, which most people don't hear for uh the ent my entire life, pre-kindergarten until high school, went to USC where I majored in acting in Spanish and have been professionally acting ever since. Okay, now being a Philly native, um, I've traveled through the area. I've been through Philly, then I've been to Upper Darby, I've been to Villanova, I've been all over. Oh, um, you really have, yeah. Yes, ma'am. Um, are there any movies or plays or anything that inspired you to pursue a career in the film industry? You know what? That's a really interesting question because I think that the answer is no. I would say that like coming out of Philadelphia and of course, like I was very privileged and had a lot of opportunities, but I do think that there's this like essence that when you're from Philly, you have to work a little bit harder to get to the big West coast. Like California was such a dream for me. And you know, there's people coming out of Philly, like Kevin Hart and Meek Mill and everybody had to like work so hard to get where they are. So I think that like, and the fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, my family jokes that I'm the fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> from Philadelphia and moved to Beverly Hills. So, you know, I think that what Philly inspired me was just to work hard, that brotherly love energy, be kind to everyone that you meet. Um, but I can't, I mean, you know, there were definitely movies growing up, but I never really watched, like, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I, I watched the movie with, who is it, Jennifer Lawrence and um, their, that football movie and it, like, centers around the Eagles. I went to, like, the diners and stuff that they went to in the movie growing up, but I wouldn't say that it was, like, an inspiration. So Ro Rocky didn't inspire you? Can't say that it really did, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a side note. Can you please explain to the audience what a real Philadelphia cheesesteak is? I appreciate this question because it's a common misconception. Um, so a real Philadelphia cheesesteak is made with chipped steak, which is not something that one 
and C's at every deli, you have to specifically ask for it. It should be coming from like an Italian deli. You order the chip steak, there should be cheese whiz. None of this provolone, none of this American. I see that at like every little cheesesteak place in California. No, it should be cheese whiz with your chip steak. And we say with or without, meaning with, there should be onions without, no onions. There should be with onions. Um, and I personally think that Pat's is better than Gino's. Controversial opinion, but oh, I said what Oh, well. And, and I say this because uh, in my early years, I'm 36 now. I went to, I was in Philadelphia. I was in this area. I believe it's called Germantown. Yep, yep, yep. In Germantown, in that area, I got mixed up. There was a, an event going on. I believe it was called the Greek or something like that. Okay, okay. And, and either way, whatever this event was, I ended up getting a Philly stick that was a North Philly cheesesteak. Then I got one from the South side mm-hmm. and, tra- and traveling around. And I was like, there was a, a bit of difference in the meat and different things like that. So I decided to go with North Philly and say that that's my cheesesteak that I'll eat for the rest of the time that I ever go through there. I don't really? Know about is the North Philly better than South Philly? Oh yeah, every day. Really? I, I think South Philly is more authentic personally, but okay. maybe where did you go in North Philly? Oh, I do not remember the exact place, but I will spin it around and I'll let you know later. But I okay. do know I do know it was in North Philly because like I remember where was the airport at? The airport is in it's like Essington or something like that. Yeah, wherever it landed, I got my rental car and I know we were in the north side because after I left there, I went to where did I leave Philly and go to? Was it like Allentown or somewhere? Like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Somewhere somewhere up there. And I knew that we just ate in the northern area because to get to Allentown, you're gonna go through the north. Right, area. right, right. Okay. okay. So now let's let's get back into what we were here to talk about. Um, you have numerous titles uh, that you assume. Could you tell the audience about every single title briefly? Because the thing that that amazes me is like when when I did a little bit of research on you. Um, the crazy thing is, is like you know you you look at guests and uh, me and my virtual assistant go back and forth about things. And you have a ton of titles. Could you just tell us a few real fast? Sure. So actress is what I would say is my main one. Um, because I've been acting since I was like literally eight years old, been passionate about it. Um, I started acting in the Philadelphia area, acted all the way throughout high school. I majored in acting at USC. Um, so that's always been my main thing. And then when I graduated, I got more involved in other aspects of the entertainment industry. So then there was like writing, directing, producing. I wrote a film called It's a Girl Thing, which did really well in the festival circuit. Um, and just directed a film called Defining Dodo, which we're actually putting on a streaming service coming up called iVox Media that we're really excited about. Um, And that was my first directing endeavor. I would say that acting and producing are probably my main claim to fame. I produce definitely um, second as much as I do acting. Okay, so let's go into It's a Girl thing. The series gained you some notoriety, correct? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Um. What was the message of this series and how did this series sharpening your acting skills? Yeah, so It's a Girl Thing is really made for like the modern day young woman, I would say. It really explores like college dating culture um, and mostly issues that are outside of the Me Too movement. It was definitely inspired by the Me Too movement, but rather than tackling issues that are overtly wrong, such as like rape or sexual assault, it talks more about like the gray area of college dating culture, things like ghosting or one night stands, things that might not be overtly wrong, but how they affect young women. Um, 
And the series is currently, we made the pilot. It has a whole episodic series that it could be that we're working right now to shop around. And in the full series, it explores, explores more like Greek culture and body image culture, things that affect young women and their mental health. So that was really the purpose of it, um, just to have something that made young women be able to identify with and almost to be able to learn from and see what other people like went through and how they can grow from it as well. And I like that uh, part of that women women empowerment movement. And uh, um, like this is one thing that I love. It's a mental check in, but it's mental maintenance at the same time because right. too too much. And you could probably agree with this. We always do this mental check in, but maintenance is, is so hard to find source material like like a television show or a series like you all have that does that mental maintenance. So I want to thank you for that right there. Now, defining. Dodo, a movie you directed. How did you step into your role as, as a director and how did this message uh, resonate with you? Directing was super challenging, not going to lie. It's really hard to wear so many different hats because I was acting in that, I was directing, and I was producing. So um, on set, basically, you're just wearing a ton of different hats. You're just trying to make sure everything gets done. You're dealing with the financial aspects. You're dealing with locations. You're dealing with the casting you're kind of like the overseer of everything so you're trying to do that you're trying to do your lines but then as director you're really managing the scenes and the actors and making sure everything um, goes through the direction that you had and the vision that you established before creating the film so it was definitely difficult but I produced it with my co-producer named Alejandro Valtiera and he's a dear friend and a dear work partner for me and basically what we wanted to do was create a story that really established um Latinx and LGBTQ portrayed issues that they go through growing up as LGBTQ in a machismo culture. And we wanted to have that be portrayed authentically. Alejandro and I actually met working at a publishing company for dual language programs. And dual language basically just means that like um, you're in programs where you're learning both English and another language at the same time. So we were really passionate about making sure that the world was open to more culture and we feel like the way that the world can be open to more culture is by opening up to more languages and having understanding and being able to understand people in their native languages. So that was kind of how Defining Dodo started. And then Alejandro is a member of the LGBTQ community. So he was able to draw from some of his experiences and write about Defining Dodo and explore how um, being LGBTQ is um, even more difficult when growing up in a machismo household. Okay, that, that was a great explanation. Now, let me ask you this about this, and, and this is one of the hard-hitting questions that we don't go over, because a uh, great thing about these shows, we do a little prep, and then sometimes we don't. Um, making a, a movie like this, or film, um, what kind of emotion and what kind of mental preparation did you have to do to make this? Because, you know, I wake up every day, I brush my teeth, that's part of my routine. But to have so many themes and to incorporate them into one movie all yeah. at one time, because some movies just have a generalized theme, but to have so much under one umbrella, how did you prepare for that? Yeah, it was hard. And more than that, like there were some really difficult scenes that we were shooting. There's an attempted suicide in the film. Um, there's a lot of anger issues that are happening within the family. And we had a young boy on set portraying a younger version of our lead character. So we were also dealing with his mental health and making sure that he was okay while on set because he was dealing with some really traumatic instances that happen in the film. And I would say that when you're preparing for a film like this, you really just need to be 
authentic to the story. I actually just produced a documentary on human trafficking outside of the Philadelphia area. And Whoa. we were able to make that um, during the pandemic, which has been an incredible experience. And we're going to be entering that into festivals this fall. But I would say that that was maybe even more difficult to um, produce and you know live through that because it's a documentary. So we were working with real people's stories. Um, the film is based off of A Shield Against the Monster, which is a book made by Anne-Marie Jones and Carol Metzger. And it's about Anne-Marie's real story, um, surviving human trafficking outside of the Philadelphia area. And Anne-Marie is just one of the most incredible people I've ever met. She was in the life, which is what they call um, being trafficked for 10 years. And um, through her experiences, we were able to develop this documentary and shoot in an area that looks very similar to Kensington, where a lot of trafficking happens outside of Philadelphia. So, I mean, they actually took me into Kensington and we were able to interact with some survivors of trafficking there. They give out roses to some victims and survivors in the Kensington area um, and just tell them that like, you have hope, you can get out of this, like you are worthy and you are enough. And it was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had. And I think that you just have to, when you're dealing with these very difficult storylines, you just have to know that there's a purpose behind this. You're telling the story for a reason and anything that might be difficult or hard for you to tell right in the moment at the end of the day it's worth it because people need to hear this story okay now that was amazing to me because i thought that you were about to say somewhere like york or something like that <laughs> <laughs> with that with that pa uh portion man that's that's powerful now all these things that you that you were speaking about you were talking about entering this documentary into uh a, a film awards correct mm -hmm, um that's yeah. A film festival. Now you have, you took Defining uh, Dodo and you've already entered that previously, correct? Yes. And mm -hmm. could you tell us about that accolade and how do, how do you submit something like that? How do you know that you have the it factor and the woe factor? And I'm not speaking on the, the, the presence of how commercial the item is or how relatable it can be, but how, like, how do you know that you have that it factor and that, that your production is out there, which you really need to put out there uh, at a festival? How do you know that? No, the answer is that you don't. You really do not know. And the truth is, is that you could go through these festivals and win so many awards and you still might not have it. Um, the truth is that you just have to trust that your project is worthy and that you're telling this project for a reason. And honestly, if you enter through the festivals and you don't get any accolades, that's okay because you learned. I mean, I've definitely been there and created some projects where I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I had that experience, but I don't think that it needs to be continued anymore to this point, but I learned from it. I learned so much and I was able to create other projects from learning from doing that. So the truth is that you will never know. Um, you just have to do it, but everything is a learning experience. <laughs> okay. Now let me ask you this. You have another title outside of your film. Uh, you do something that's very interesting. You have a podcast. I do. Yes. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about this podcast real quick? Sure. So my podcast is called Damsels in the DMs. I share it with Alejandro Valtiera, who was the writer of Defining Dodo, and my dear friend Ash Patel, who is a model also in the LA area. And it's about dating culture. And it's um it's nice because it's very similar to what we deal with with It's a Girl Thing, dealing with young women and um, predominantly young women, but really people of all genders right into the podcast with some of the issues that they're going through. Um, and that's been really powerful because it allows me to work 
with people on a day-to-day basis and find out what people are going through. I personally haven't been in the dating game for a long time because I've had a boyfriend for almost six years now, but I did have a very traumatic dating life when I was a bit younger. So, you know, I think I have enough perspective that I can give onto the podcast, but I'm also constantly learning from other people. And my favorite part of the show, I love to do a shameless plug. Can you tell everybody real quick, because we have different listeners that come in at different points in the podcast. Could you tell them where they could find your podcast and where they can interact with you? For sure. So it's called Damsels in the DMs and you can find it on Instagram, Apple and Spotify at Damsels in the DMs. And my Instagram is Lauren Elizabeth Harris. And that's one, one H in the Elizabeth and Harris. They share the H. Okay. Okay. Definitely appreciate that. Now with so many titles and not enough time in life, how do you find time to relax and how do you handle all these pressures of doing all this stuff? Cause it has to be nerve wracking. Yeah. Yeah. I think relaxation is super important. I'm a big advocate for self-care. Um, for me, it's really important to stay on a routine. I meditate every morning. I need to exercise every day. I love to go hiking or for long walks. I have a dog named Ernie, um, who also really likes to go for these long walks. So he's good motivation. Getting a dog was honestly phenomenal for my mental health. I've recently started writing down affirmations at night um, with things that I want to happen in my life or things that I'm grateful for. And yeah, I just think it's really nice to take a step back from everything that you're doing. It's nice being here and, you know, talking about all of the things that I have done, but there's so much more that I want to do. And I deal with the same mental health struggles as most people in that I'm not doing enough. I'm not successful enough. There's more I could be doing. And um, yeah, it's just good to take a step back from that and be grateful for where you are. Okay, please help me out here because uh, the audience has heard about a lot of what you do. We haven't probably touched every single thing you do. Next thing you know, you'll have a book coming out or oh, something God. else. I don't think uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so with the rigors of everything you do, uh, what's some advice that you would give someone that wants to pursue being a media mogul like yourself? What would you tell them and how would you tell them to do it and go about it? Be persistent. Don't give up on what you're doing. Um. There is so much to learn from the industry. And honestly, it's hard to even scratch the surface of this industry, but you honestly, if you want it, then don't give up on it. I mean, there's so many people who get to their mid twenties and they're like, I haven't gotten anything yet. So I don't think I'm ever going to get anything yet. But the number one thing I would say is be ambitious. If there's things that you want and there's a life that you want to have, then you really just have to go for it. Um, I'm always happy to advise anyone. You can feel free to reach out to me on my Instagram. I'm happy to walk you through um, the journey that I took on getting to where I am in the entertainment industry. But just stick with it. Be persistent. And the longer you ride it out, the more people who get off of the bus. Okay. Now, portion of this show, I dedicate to a news magazine called 2020. As a child, I used to watch this on Friday nights after everything went off TV, after Boy Meets World and all those shows went off TV. Um, Barbara Walters, Diane Sawyer, and John Stossel were on the show. John Stossel was a comedian. He had mm-hmm. he was a comic release on the show. Diane Sawyer asked some hard-hitting questions to the mid-tier guests. But Barbara Walters at 1040 every Friday night, she got ready to give you some hard-hitting questions for the the guest that was leading out of the show now sometimes these questions would go from 10 40 to 11 05 or something and make the news a little late or sometimes it would end right at 11 o'clock but two things happen one of the two things happen you either got a very thought-provoking uh interview q a wise or 
you got a new stance on life. Like something just rocked your world. Mm-hmm. So now it's your turn to get on the hot seat here. These are not questions that were that were uh, inside uh, anything that I provided you with. So right. are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. Now, you started off acting um, and you're acting. Did it start out in plays? Yes, it did. What was the first play you were in? Streganona. I was in kindergarten. I was five years old and I was stirring the pot and uh, feeding all the other kindergartners their lines from backstage because I have a ridiculous memory. Okay. Now you get into high school. What's the first drama you got into in high school? First drama or first play? First play or drama, whichever one you wanted to do. First play was High Society and I was a maid. Oh, okay. Now, after you finished high school, and it's a reason that this all leads up to something. After you finished high school, you had to decide what you wanted to do. So you graduate. Well, obviously you prepare for it before you graduate. But after graduation night, it's your first real um, day as an adult. What were you thinking? I remember when I graduated, I was playing All Star, that song, you know, hey now. Yeah, all Star, yeah. I was trying to hype myself up. Um, and I actually started at Occidental College before I went to USC. But I was really scared, honestly, because I was in Philadelphia and I was about to make a cross country move and leave all my family and go to California where I knew no one um, to start my life there. Okay. You get to California, you're in oh. your junior year at USC um it's time to to, because you know every everybody I don't know how you felt about your junior year and anything you did my junior year was the planning year for the rest of my life I didn't care if it was high school or when it was in college junior year you got to focus on things your junior year at USC what was your focus junior year at USC my focus was probably to pursue acting professionally and also to have a great time I'm not gonna lie I had a blast (laughs) (laughs) Pasadena all day long Uh, now you graduate it's time to go find this first job or to 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 what I would assume lock in this job what was the first job you went casting for first job I went to casting for you went the first job that I auditioned for or the first job I was cast in the first job you were casted in was a Huawei commercial um, for virtual reality where I played a girl who uh, had to clean the theater, but then put on these glasses, the virtual reality glasses, and was singing to a crowd full of people. Mind you, they really did fill the theater with extras to be in the crowd that I (laughs) was fake singing in front of. And my fake singing was so bad that they brought in a coach to show me how to fake sing properly. <laughs> so how that make you feel? <laughs> you know, like an idiot. Not gonna lie, I felt like an idiot. <laughs> okay, now you get to the middle of your acting career, um, and one thing th- this thing happens to all of us, and and this is the part of uh, the podcast where this episode is about to become a gem. What was the first obstacle that you hit after you hit the middle of of acting like uh, being casted in things because we all get to a, a level of what I call mediocrity mm-hmm. or we plateau you hit that plateau um what happened to make you plateau I got some feedback from a previous manager about some changes that he had wanted to me to make to my physical appearance 
And that was really hard for me. Um, I remember feeling like very insecure and like I wasn't enough and I was doing something and I was really sad about it for a couple months. And then I worked harder and um, I got to a place where I felt better about myself and more confident. And even though that was a really hard time of my life, um, I was able to grow from it and have more confidence in myself and the way I feel about myself rather than what other people feel about me. So in that instance, you realize that you were your own market. You can market yourself without someone else's opinion because you learned along this tough road that somebody's going to grab one to you. Somebody's going to want to yeah. include you in on what they what they have going on. Okay, so thank you right there. That was probably the gem of the episode because um, that, that's where we got a little intimate and learned a little bit more about you, got, in, got inside of you. So let's build off of that. Okay. So you go, that happens. What happens next? What is the next thing? What made you get your confidence back? What made you um, become the biggest uh, Megazord? Well, she said as an analogy from uh, Power Rangers. What, what made you become the bigger and stronger Lauren? Hmm, that's a really good question. I would say that I wasn't going to tolerate giving up. Um, I wasn't going to let like somebody's opinion of me stop me from achieving what I had wanted from my entire life. So when you're given these situations, like you said, where you can either be mediocre, you can plateau, you're given a choice, right? Because there's always choices. Like, do we want to just accept this moment of plateauing or being mediocre? Or how can we grow from it? And how can we use this as a challenge to get to where we want to be? And for me, that was a moment where I decided like, you know what, I'm going to work to get new representation. I'm going to work to be at my best physical self, um, where I feel confident about myself. And I'm never going to be perfect, but I'll be somebody internally and externally who I'm proud of, because I think internally is way more important than what your external is like. And um, that I think was the moment where I decided that I was going to put my dreams first. Okay. And I can agree with that, but there's something else that happens. So we get this confidence, we get built up and, and it even happened to me with podcasting. I never worried about fame, but I wanted notoriety. I wanted people to respect the art of what I did. So even though I felt successful and I still feel successful, I had this deep insecurity about the notoriety. What is the insecurity that stays behind you? It might be in a closet. It might be in a ponytail behind your back. But what's an insecurity that still follows you to this day? Yeah, I think that um, I want to be successful. I want to be way more successful than where I am now. I want to be on set all the time. I want to be telling stories all the time. I want to be creating stories. I want to be doing more for other people. I want to be telling stories that matter for other people and inspire them to be better and kinder and in a better mental health place for everyone. I want our world to be better. And I, I want to have a position in that by creating stories that inspire everyone to be better. Okay. Now we've dealt with the insecurity, but let's go to a billboard. That's the greatest advertisement that anybody sees, especially being in California. You see a lot of billboards. Mm -hmm. All right. So your name is up there, Lauren Harris. What does your billboard say? What does my billboard say? I told you I'd give you some now tough ones. Or down the line. Oh no, now, right now. If someone sees the billboard with you on there and you're advertising whatever, what does that billboard say? I told you I got some hard ones. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. My billboard. 
Huh. And while you think of that, I'm going to put a little filler in here real quick. I'll let you give you a little minute to think about okay. it. My billboard will say advancing. That's it. I'm going to advance. That's all I can put for mine. So what would, would yours say? Persisting. Okay. Now elaborate. For me, persistence is the most important thing in life. Like I just don't ever want to give up on what I want to create for myself and for other people. So if I had to leave one word or one message um, that I carried through for my life, it would be persistence. All right. Now inside this persistence, is there consistency in this or can this persistence go up? If you don't mind, let's take a moment for the sponsors so they can keep the lights running and keep West Virginia and Commonplace going. If you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all the hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and excess exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS service needs without taking a trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else like up to 40% off of USPS rates and 76% off of UPS. Going to the post office instead of using Stamps.com is kind of like taking the stairs instead of the elevator. Just go going up a couple of floors, sure, take the stairs. Walking out 30 flights a, a day, you could use a break. If you spend more than a few minutes a week dealing with mail and shipping, Stamps.com is a lifesaver. You'll save so much money and time, you wonder why you didn't start soon. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code POD for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com and click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code POD. Up and down. I mean, life ebbs and flows, I would say. But I think as long as you're willing to ride the waves of life and know that you're going to persist through them, that's the consistent component of persistency. Okay. Now, you're a USC alumni. They ask you to come back in um, one day and uh, you're giving a speech. And um, maybe one of the, the uh, professors of, that teaches in the film industry asked you to take this statement. Success has driven me. I need you to finish it for me. Hmm. Remember, you're in front of a bunch of students. USC. Right. Success has driven Success me. Success has driven me to never give up. Okay, now keep going with it. Success has driven me to never give up on what I want for my life and to make my dreams come true. Success has reminded me that being successful isn't the only thing that matters in life. And what matters most is who you are at the end of the day and how you treated other people. And I would like to promote that the way that I want to be treated and treat other people I would like that to be the main message of my work when I leave this world. Okay. So right there, what you just did right there, you, you told success is Lauren, Lauren Harris. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and I appreciate that because uh, what you did that right there is you just um, took someone that's aspiring to do something, even if it's not acting 
you've inspired them to go forward with what they're doing. So that inspiration you put right out right there, I greatly appreciate that. Thank you. Now, I, I try. All right. Now, <laughs> what are your future endeavors? I know that being a director, actor, you can't speak on every single project you're doing because of legality reasons. But you personally, what is the next endeavor for you? You already said you're not writing a book. You're not writing a memoir. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have a bunch of other projects in the work. Um, one that I mentioned earlier is my human trafficking documentary, which you can definitely look out for in festivals this fall. And then continuing to promote the projects that I've already created. And then I have another project in the works that's still in development um, that's more targeting like um, discrepancies in conservatory programs and the way that people of color are not treated the same as white people who are entering the conservatory and the theatrical field that I'm working on with some other really phenomenal female producers and writers that I'm really excited about. Okay, now let me ask you this one more time. Defining Dodo, you mentioned it earlier. Um, where can people find this? So you can visit our website at definingdodo.com and you'll be able to watch the film on iVox Media this fall. Okay, so this fall we'll be able to watch that. So yeah. I want everybody to look out for that. And once again, the last thing that we want to do here in this great interview, and I, I thank you for coming on to West Virginia and Commonplace, is this. Please give us one more shameless plug so that everyone will know where to find you and we'll go from there. Yeah, you can follow me at LaurenElizabethHarris.com and or yeah, LaurenElizabethHarris.com and my Instagram is LaurenElizabethHarris, one H between the Elizabeth and the Harris. And um, on my Instagram, you can find all of the projects that I'm in. You can follow Defining Dodo and it's a girl thing and see what happens with my human trafficking documentary. Okay, and once again, Lauren, I would like to thank you for coming on the show. But one thing that I need you to do that I forgot about is this. Behind every person, there's people that build them up. Like my girlfriend, Stacey, like she's made me into this monster podcaster. I call myself a talk show host sometimes, <laughs> but she's put, put me in a certain position where I feel great about what I do. I love this. We're here today, mainly because she is the going force behind me. So who or whom is a driving force in your life? Could you please give them all a huge shout out, please? Definitely my mom. Um, my mom, I think, is the reason that I have persisted throughout my life. I always joke that, you know, some people's parents would kill them if they entered the entertainment industry. My mom would kill me if I didn't entertain and enter the entertainment industry. So I'm super grateful to her. And she's definitely the one who pushed persistence onto my life. And then definitely my boyfriend, Brian, who is in sales and makes me a better actor through um, becoming more comfortable in selling myself. <laughs> okay. So that's a good process there. So Lauren Harris, once again, I want to thank you for coming on, but there's something that we do on here. At the very end of our show, we give a quick testimony um, about the guests. Um, me and you have just met over an hour ago, probably. Um, so I don't know you that well, but I know this about you just from hearing your story and, and reading your story. Um, you're, you're a great asset to the world. Um, documenting life is a very hard thing to do to create perspective for tons of people. That's something you do. I don't know if you acknowledge it when you go to sleep at night or when you look in the mirror, but I want to tell you, thank you for that. Um, giving perspective on things that don't have a perspective in the grand scheme of things. Because we have certain topics that uh, people want to categorize as taboo. And when something is taboo, they want to get rid of it. They want to slot it underneath the rug. But you're not trying to do that. You're trying to bring these things to the light 
and to inform people and to educate people. Um, too many times when people are try to educate, they educate in means that people will not follow. Media is the greatest way to educate. If you can't teach me from a book, I can't watch uh, like certain instructional videos. I need to see it from the heart and from someone that has compassion and a passion for what they do. So I want to thank you for that. Next thing, um, being a woman, being a woman in this society with how everything is getting cornered and moved around into certain sections. Um, they want to say that access is given, but access is not always given in all fields. Right. And to break the barrier on those things for people of ethnicities, uh, different genders, that puts you on the forefront. Even though you may think that what you're doing is minute, it is not minute. People are watching, people are paying attention. When this happens in life, you become more than what they call an influencer. You become an inspiration. An inspiration is a feeling that keeps going with people. It doesn't stop uh, when you stop. It keeps going. So understand that you're an inspiration. Take that with you. Take a shower. Look in the mirror. I'm inspiring. <laughs> Thank that, you so much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. And um, all of our, all the listeners, uh, I want you all to get ready for everything this young lady has to offer the world. She has become a media mogul very quickly in everything she does. And the one thing that is amazing is that your, your spark, the way that you pursue these things, you could have just went the commercial route. And that's what I want to end this on. You could have went the commercial route. You could have stayed in, in the top echelon and went over to this this company or that company and said, hey, I'll do this. And you could have been the generic girl from Philly that's from Philly, but lives in Villanova or <laughs> the girl from Philly that lives in Kennett Square, but she says she lives in Philly. Yeah. <laughs> right. But you're not doing that. You speak of where you come from. You don't have the facts from anyone. You move to California like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and you're being productive. That's more of what we need to see in society. People that don't make excuses. People that just sit right out here, make decisions, no excuses, and get things done. Once again, Lauren Harris, I want to thank you for coming on the show. You've proven thank a point. You you've proven a, you're welcome. You've proven a point that I've said so many times. People can get out here and do anything they want to do as long as they do these two things. Stay proficient and efficient at what you do. When you stop that, it's no longer a product. It's no longer um, something that's inspiring. So I want you to keep doing that, okay? Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure being on. All right, West Virginia and Commonplace, we are signing off. Bye. Bye.